Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I'm rubber, you're glue. Whatever you say bounces off me and sticks on you. Now, either of those statements true. Do you really believe words will never hurt you? Do you really believe you're rubber? No. The reality is that words do hurt. They can break us. They can wound us. Because we're not rubber. There are things that people say to us and about us that sticks to our soul. They stick to our dignity. Like a migraine. One commentator says, wounds caused by sticks and stones heal. But wounds caused by words sometimes never heal. And some of you can testify to that. All of us have been on both sides of this. Hurting others with our words and being hurt by the words of other people. You see, our tongue is a powerful instrument that can be used for good or for evil. Depends on how you use it. James, in chapter 3 of his letter, to the believers scattered throughout the ancient world, he deals with the subject of the tongue. He's mentioned it before. In, verse, in chapter 1, he told the believers to be slow to speak. In verse 26 of chapter 1, he says, Controlling your tongue is a mark of true religion. But here in chapter 3, he goes into greater detail. And remember, James' overall purpose in this letter is to show believers how to live out their faith in a world that is not their own. How to live out, live out their faith in a world that does not embrace their faith. How to live their faith out in a world that is hostile to their faith. And how to live out their faith in a world that misrepresents their faith. So if you have your Bible, open it to James chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. For we put baits into the mouths of horses so they obey us. We gather their whole body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are large and, and driven, by, driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Every kind of beast, bird or reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring sprout forth the same opening both flesh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives and a grapevine produce figs? 
neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is God's word. Please play with me. Father, as I come to your truth, I need your spirit, Father, to move. We need him to minister to our hearts because if he doesn't come and move, nothing happens. Nothing will take place. We will not hear the things that we need to hear. And so I pray, Spirit, you will move our pride to the side. You will move our skepticism to the side and allow you to minister to our hearts, allow you to minister to our souls, and allow the word to penetrate those areas of our life that we want to hold on to and close off to you. I pray that he will move in a mighty way today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Faith in the tongue. That's what we're going to talk about today. I'm pretty sure you're very excited about that. And the first thing James shows us when it comes to the tongue is tongue's influence. Tongue has an influence. And James begins here by warning his readers that that those who seek to teach, be careful. Look at verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. You see, those who teach within the church have great responsibility in how they teach and how they use their tongues in their teaching because they can have, they have impact. They have consequences for the things that they say. And James is not being judgmental here, for he himself is a teacher. He's a concerned pastor. My brothers, knowing that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, this means we will be held accountable for the way they use their tongue to handle God's word. Be held accountable for how they use their tongue to shepherd God's sheep. And this warning is not just for those who teach, but it's for all believers. He says we all stumble in many ways. His point here is that all believers continue to struggle with sin in many ways, particularly when it comes to the use of their tongue. So his warning is not just for those who teach, but all believers fall short and have fallen short when it comes to the use of the tongue. Who here has not stumbled in what comes out of your mouth? Have you ever lied? Gossip? Slander? Overcritical? We all have. And so James says, if no one never stumbles in what he says, he's a perfect man able to bridle his whole body. These words show us that none of us have reached perfection. None of us are not as mature as we think we are. We have not reached the holy mecca of Christian maturity. None of us have come to a place where we have completely mastered our tongue. We never, we still stumble in many ways. Follow what James is saying. He is telling us and his readers that the tongue is very difficult to control. We all know that to be true. If one is able to control the tongue, that person is able to control his whole body because the tongue has great influence and impact on your life. One believer says, so difficult is the mouth to control, so given is it to other defaults and the biting, the slander, so prone to, to, to stay open when it should be closed that a person who has control over it has the ability to conquer less members of the body. But we can't control it. 
James wants us to understand that our tongue has great influence. And he gives us three illustrations of what that looks like. First, he talks about the bites we put into the mouth of horses and how we use it to control them. If you ever rode a horse, you know that the horse has this little bridle over his face. And when you're on the back of you, you use that to steer the horse wherever you want to go. That's a small thing, but it controls the horse. It has great influence on the horse. The same thing is when, when you, when, if you're on a boat or a ship. It's huge, but there's a rudder underneath the ship that it controls it. It's small, but it has great influence. And that's what James wants us to understand about the tongue. It's small, tool, but it has great influence. Like the steering wheel in your car. Small, but the car goes nowhere without it. So is your tongue, James says. The tongue is a small part of the body, yet it boasts of great things. It has influence. Influence for good or for evil. Proverbs 18 says, From the fruit of his mouth, a man's stomach is satisfied. He is filled with the product of his lips. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Power and death are in the life of the power. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. It's powerful. That tongue is. James knows this. We should know this. The tongue can sway men to violence. It can move them to the noblest of actions. It can instruct those. It can encourage people. It can comfort the sorrow. It can even crush the human spirit as well. It can destroy reputations, spread distrust and hate. It can bring nations to the bleak of war. The tongue. Good or evil. How do you use your tongue in your relationship with other people? How do you use your tongue in relationships with people you don't like? People you don't get along with. The coworker who irritates you. What do you say on your breath about that person when they leave your office? Your spouse. Your kids. Siblings. How do you treat one another? How do you talk to your brother or sister? Do you build them up or do you crush them? The tongue, small, yet it boasts of great things. A few weeks ago, the family and I, you know, we did some yard work in our, in our backyard. And one of the jobs we had to do, we had to rake up some leaves and we had to burn them. Now, when you're burning leaves, you have to be very careful. You can't set the fire and flame and just walk off and do something else. Now, if you do that, what's going to happen? If you leave the fire unaccompanied, if you don't watch the fire, what's going to happen? It's going to spread. It's going to grow into something much bigger than that you probably can't control. You have to watch it. You have to control the fire as you burn those leaves because it will spread into something worse. So James says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire? The tongue is the same way. We think it sets small fires, but that fire can grow to something much bigger than you probably want it to grow into. It has to be controlled. 
It has to be controlled. An uncontrolled tongue is like a small fire that's not controlled. It eventually grows into a blaze and it causes much damage. It destroys things. The tongue is the same way. And the tongue does this because the tongue has a great problem. And James talks about that problem in verse 6. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members. A world of unrighteousness. What does that mean? That phrase is referring to this fallen, rebellious, and sinful world that we live in. The tongue makes itself and shows itself and presents itself as this unrighteous world in our members. That is, our body. Why and how is that possible? How can the tongue do that? These words of James is connected to what Jesus says in Matthew 5, Matthew 15. He says, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it's what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. Out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, thieves, theft, and false witness, and slander. You see that projector right here? That projector is projecting what's on the uh, computer screen that Brian is looking at. And so that allows you to see this. Your tongue it projects what's inside your heart. If you say it, it's because it's here. If you slander somebody, it's because it's here. If you gossip on somebody, it's because it's here. If you crush people with your mouth, it's because it's in your heart. And your tongue projects what's in your heart. That's what it does. What does Jeremiah say about our heart? Is it deceitful above all things? Who can understand it? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Tongue's problem is a heart problem that manifests itself in our speech. Look at our city, our nation. We have seen the negative impact of tongue's problem in this life. And many of you can personally testify to it, to the, to the things, to the kind of fires that the tongue can ignite. And there's three things that the tongue does. The uncontrolling tongue stains the whole body, James says. Stains the whole body. Defiles the whole person. And what do you think that means? It means the way you use your tongue is can be a reflection of your character. It can rape your character by the way you use your tongue. It can poison your integrity by the way you use your tongue. Your reputation, your trustworthiness, your tongue can destroy all that stuff about you because of the way you talk to people. What does your tongue say about you? How is your tongue staining your whole body, my whole body? Second, the tongue can set on fire the entire course of life. You see, your tongue not only negatively impacts you, it impacts other people as well. Because we use our words against other people. All of life, all of human existence can be touched, set on fire by the tongue. Marriage, parenting, church, business, government, sports, everything. Our tongue 
can set on fire. In our modern times, this also applies to how you use your Facebook and how you use your Twitter account. How you use those things. Even your online blogs. How do you use it? James said, it is a relentless evil full of deadly poison. And we can harm others and damage others with a sharp tongue. And many of you have been on the receiving end of that, and many of you have done that. It hurts, it bites, it cuts at people's dignity and self-worth. Washington Irving says, a sharp tongue is the only edge tool that grows sharper with constant use. Mm. A knife, a blade, an axe, what happens to those over time the more you use it? They get dull, not with a tongue. It gets sharper the more you use it. The more you slander, the sharper you get at it. The more you gossip, the sharper you get at it. The more you belittle people, the more you degrade people, the more you talk down to people, the more you harshly criticize people, the better you get at it, the sharper you get at it. This applies also to the way you talk about yourself to yourself. Because many of you use your own tongue to degrade your own self. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. You chip away at your own self-worth, negative self-talk. James said the tongue is set on fire by hell itself. That means Satan himself can use your tongue as a tool to cause for his purposes. To cause harm to yourself and to cause harm to other people. And with all these problems, James, he draws out the only conclusion that no human being has the power to tame the tongue. No human being can. He says, we have, human beings have tamed all kinds of animals and horses and, and wild animals, but we cannot tame the tongue. We don't have the power to. With it, we bless God, and with it, we curse other people who are made in his image. It's like being here today singing all these great songs. Great is his faithfulness. As soon as you get in the car, you're like, I can't believe she was at the church. Can you? I can't believe so-and-so was raising their hands in church. Can you? I love God. I sang his praises. But as soon as I get in that car and drive off, it starts. With the same mouth, we bless God and curse others. And James says, brothers, this all not to be so. Or not to be so. God ought not to be so that we can lie and slander and gossip and hurt others and it does not convict us. This is what James is talking about here. He's talking about those who say to have faith but they are not convicted by the way they use their tongue. He's saying that, that to, to say that a, a, a tongue that blesses God and curses others can coexist together, he says you really don't understand faith if you think that's okay. He says, no, my brothers, this ought not to be so. Those things cannot coexist. They cannot cohabitate. We cannot have a lifestyle that's double-minded. You can't have one foot in, one foot out. That's what he's talking about. Those who have made it a lifestyle to live like this, he says, brothers, that ought not to be so. 
verse 11 and 12, he says, Did a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can it? What do you think the point he's making here with, with that illustration? He is pointing you back. If you are a believer, he's pointing you back to who you are. Who Christ has now made you. He has made you into a new creation. And as that new creation, you bring forth certain types of fruit in your lifestyle. The Spirit produces those things in you. If you see these other things that are in your life, you should hate those things. You should not be content with them. Uh, I got a loose tongue, but it's okay. It's okay. I can hurt you with my tongue. It's okay. Just give me grace. Is that what it means? No, it doesn't mean that. Those who have saving faith in Christ, who surrender their life to him, are a new creation. That spirit of God lives in them. And because of that, everything about you is different. Can anyone tame a wild animal? Let's say tomorrow morning, I wake up and I tell Waikita, you know what? I want to be a lion tamer. I'm, I'm going to call the elders. I have my new calling. I'm going to the jungles of Africa, and I'm going to tame me a lion. Now, what's going to happen to me when I get to the jungle? What's going to happen to me? It's not going to be pretty. No one can tame, not everyone can tame a wild lion. And guess what? Not everyone can tame a wild heart. Not everyone can tame a wild heart. There's only one tamer of your wild heart, and that is Jesus. That's Jesus. That's him. And when you come to saving faith in him, that new heart that he gives you is a tamed heart. Because he has rescued it. He has given it life. St. Augustine says, Our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Your heart will continue to be wild until it's resting in Jesus. Until that change, the way you use your tongue will never change. That table, table here, the Lord's table, it is a good reminder to us that our wild hearts have found the tamer that it was created for, and that is Jesus. This table is a reminder that our hearts are no longer restless because they are finally resting in the finished work of Christ. This table is a reminder that he who began a good work in us isn't done with us yet. He's not done with you yet. But he will carry that work on until the day of Christ Jesus. This table is a reminder that it's given for the benefit of God's sheep. So therefore, all baptized Christians are welcome to receive communion with us. And that means those who have faith in Christ, those who 
who confess their sins and those who are members of a congregation that proclaim the gospel are welcome to receive Holy Communion with us. Friends and neighbors, if you don't have faith in Christ, then we love you. I'm glad you're here, and I hope you come back. But this, is, this table is set aside for those who are in relationship with Christ. But I ask you to observe what we do, to watch it, because this is a display of our unity in Christ. And also on the back of your bulletin, there are prayers. I encourage you to pray through those prayers if you're not able to come to the table. And if you have questions about salvation, questions of what it means to have faith in Jesus, please come see me after the service. And adults, we also ask you that the children with you abstain from the elements until they have um, made a profession of faith, until they have been baptized and admitted to the Lord's table by the church that you attend. And kids, all of the kids, look at me, look at me. If you're a child, look at me. I encourage you to watch what we do. Watch what we do here. Because this is a reminder of what Jesus did on the cross for you. And his call upon each of your life that one day you will come to saving faith in him. This is what this table is for. So come. Let's call the officers forward. And also we want to have a time of silence.